0: This is the point of Drew podcast.
1: Point of Drew. What's going on? We are back. We're in the stew in the studio with Barton here. Barton, how you doing? What's good, Z? We're doing
0: well, man. We're doing well. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pumped to get back on the mics, man. It's a lot of shit's been going on. A lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, the holidays just happened. I hope, I hope you and your fam had a, uh, a, a great Christmas and, in uh, New Year's. But, um, you know, let's get down to business, man.
1: We got a lot to cover. Absolutely, a lot to cover. But, uh, y- you know, I just don't feel like it's, uh, to write really. It's right to dive into this podcast, start talking sports without a. Kind of acknowledging what's been going on lately, and uh, really that's uh, DeMar Hamlin, the situation with him. But uh, we got good news on it today. Sounds like he, uh, you know, is finally awake, able to communicate. So, uh, you know, still prayers out to DeMar Hamlin, uh, his family. And I uh, just wanted to start with that off the bat. 100%. Super, super scary
0: moment. Um, you know, definitely has been and should be the focus of, of the sporting uh, world at this point in time um, you know you don't you don't really ever see that um, someone potentially losing their life to play the game and for our entertainment uh, so pretty crazy circumstance like you said though. positive signs um, was able to communicate ask if, if the Bills won the game which you love hearing that true true competitor all the toy drive seems like a complete homie um, and so really uh, really rooting for DeMar prayers up to that guy um, and hoping for a speedy recovery there, full recovery
1: yeah absolutely i think you you hit it right in the head there And hey, it's been pretty cool to see how people have been rallying behind him i saw today i think his charity it's uh chasing m's foundation uh is now over like 7.5 million yeah. donations which is awesome to see uh pretty cool stuff there but um gl- glad we started with that uh definitely again thoughts and everything with uh damar and his family but um uh, like we like you mentioned we've got a lot to talk about today i'm excited to uh you know, talk some NBA, we'll start with that uh, We've got to talk about the college football playoff A uh, lot to discuss there And then, uh, you know, NFL playoffs right around the corner So you know we've got to hit on that Yes, sir, packed
0: episode ahead uh, We'll start things off with a, a fun NBA segment Zahn's going to be um, taking us around the league uh, Getting into all the uh, the happenings, what's been going on But uh, first off, a word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels Okay, Drew Threes. Big news from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. Shug's After Hours is officially live. Yes, it's true. The Druther favorite, the mecca of bagels in the state of Texas, Shug's is opening a late night ghost kitchen concept that will operate on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. They'll be serving up all of their traditional breakfast and lunch favorites, in addition to a few late night classics. We're talking pizza bagels, sticks, even mac and cheese bites. Woo! <laughs> not to mention a wide selection of bevvies chock full of alcohol. This is not gonna be something any druther will want to miss out on. Go pay him a visit, visit late night at their location in Park City's village, just off of SMU campus. Shug's After Hours, open later than literally any other bagel shop in Texas.
1: All right, NBA, like you mentioned it, we're we're coming up on the halfway point of the season. I think most teams are right around like 39 uh, games or so uh, as of the time we're recording this on Thursday night. And uh, stuff's starting to heat up, stuff's getting exciting. So I'm ready to talk some hoops. Yes, sir. Um, we figured,
0: or, you know, planning out this episode, figured best way to uh, to cover the most ground, a uh, little segment we're going to call Around the League. I'm going to ask Z five questions um, about five storylines that have, have been playing out so far this NBA season. Um, and Z's just going to, you know, go to town on them, <laughs> uh, if, for, for lack of a better uh, analogy there. But we'll, we'll, we'll move forward with question one here. And uh, let's start with, my guy, I had to start off with this. It's It, it was unfortunate uh, circumstances that, you know, obviously DeMar, DeMar Hamlin, you know, took the focus and should have taken the focus, obviously, with the, the gravity of that situation. But um, what was really overshadowed, my boy, Donovan Mitchell, Spida, goes for 71 uh, against the Bulls and ends up going to overtime. Cleveland gets the win. Uh, but, man, he's on a tear. His first season in Cleveland uh man, I, you know I've always been a D. Mitch guy. I've always been a believer. Uh, a lot of people were, were selling their D. Mitch stock uh, after the you know kind of his his the end of his tenure in, in Utah, and as that came to a close, and uh, he looks reinvigorated in Cleveland around a better team with a good coach. And um, man, I, I gotta ask you first
1: question. First things first. Is d him? <laughs> he is him. I, and you mentioned the 71 points, but I think you're forgetting a huge part of that. He also had 11 assists and 8 boards in that same game. That is not a player who's just out there trying to get points. Uh, he played a complete game. 11 assists is, is great. That's a, you know well above his average for any game. Uh, so do that in, in combination with 71 points, grabbing a couple boards, and pulling out a big win. Um, really an all-around great, great game from Donovan Mitchell there. And, uh, you know, the way he's been playing lately, he's been super important to the Cavs. Uh, Darius Garland's been out for, I think, the last eight games now. Um, but the way that Donovan Mitchell's been playing has actually really been important to keeping Cleveland in the race in this Eastern Conference right now. Uh, over the last 10 games, Cleveland is 7-3. and three. Um, which is a huge for them because right behind them you got philly who's eight and two in their last 10 the knicks have been hot Um, and and right above cleveland is that the top of the east there with milwaukee boston and brooklyn all kind of in the mix so um, being able to keep cleveland in that four spot um, right now if the season ended they'd have home court um, advantage in the playoffs. so uh, you know, that's huge. And Donovan Mitchell is obviously the, the leading factor for that for Cleveland right now.
0: Yeah, man, I, I couldn't be more excited. As you know, I'm big big Spider fan. He comes out, uh, I think it was year two, uh, was putting up 50 points, going toe-to-toe with, with teams in the playoffs, um, looked like a guy, and then kind of, um, you know, there was there was a little bit of a downfall, I would say. Uh, people weren't as high on him. Were questioning if he could be a two way player. How efficient would he be? Could he lead a team? And um, it's been fun to see he's back in that conversation, no doubt. It's been cool to see like guys as, the, as their career progresses, like Booker, for instance. You know, obviously people were high on him, and then you know is he really that guy? And then you know he's proved to you know come out as you know potentially that guy. And so I think Mitchell's kind of in a similar spot where people have gone back and forth on him, but man, he's making his case heard this season absolutely man it's been fun to see yes sir well moving uh moving to the eastern or excuse me the uh the moving out west moving to the western conference um there's been a couple key injuries to to western conference contenders that are going to kind of define the middle part of this season um the first being zion's injury uh the the big fella uh goes down with a hamstring injury he's gonna be out for could be four weeks or so. You never know with those things, but um, you know what does that what does that mean for the West? I'll get to the second injury here in a second, but let's start with Zion in terms of how that impacts the Western race and and really the Pelicans' outlook for the playoffs and as a contender.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of injuries to some stars in the Western Conference right now, but uh, you know I think Zion's right at the top of that list, especially considering where New Orleans is when it comes to the top of the list in the Western Conference um, right now. They are the three seed in the West just just behind uh, Memphis, half game back of Memphis at the time of recording, um, and half game back of Denver as well. So New Orleans is right in the mix. They've been really fun this year. And I think, um, you know, we're talking about Zion's injury, but they've also been doing it all lately without Brandon Ingram as well. Ingram has been out for, I think, about 12 games now. Um, and over that stretch, I'm pretty sure New Orleans is 9-3, and three. Um so they're playing really well right now. C.J. McCollum's getting hot. He's hitting a bucket. Set the Pelicans record for most three-pointers in a game just a couple of nights ago. Um, so I think that the Pelicans, uh, they're kind of playing with this next-man-up attitude. And they're actually really deep. They've got a lot of players who are playing their role off the bench and you know filling in for people that are injured. And uh, they're kind of building a machine. So I think the Pelicans do kind of survive. Uh, could see them slipping and, and dropping a few games without Zion and, uh, you know, without B.I. until he comes back. He's probably a week or so away, so uh, they could drop a few, but uh, the way New Orleans has been playing is awesome. Yeah, impressive team build. Who, who's their GM again? Uh, David Griffin. David Griffin, yeah. Uh, old
0: Cavs, yeah. LeBron. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've drafted well, you know, bringing in... Uh, Valanciunas and and guys like C.J. McCollum, like they're they're doing it. They're they're just a great team build job there. And of course Zion is the centerpiece. And so um, him getting healthy is imperative for them to to re- be a real contender. But man, we got to get to a game at Smoothie King Center at some point. Come on, now. <laughs> we're worst arena in the NBA. <laughs> Come on now, we got to get there before they bulldoze it. But mo- moving on to the other injury that's really going to have an impact on the West race down the stretch, uh, Stephen Curry. He's out for uh, roughly four weeks with a shoulder injury. I mean, I always feel like Steph's going down with the shoulder injury. He's too—he's too slight. Just those so shoulders get banged around. He's always catching <laughs> catching bows and whatnot, coming off screens. But uh, he is going to be out for the Warriors, a team that's you know not been on their game since you know coming off that title last season. So, uh, you know, what do you think about their push without Steph here down the stretch?
1: Yeah, so they have been pushing without Steph, and. Um... You know, as soon as Steph got hurt, this is probably seven games ago now at this point. Uh, I think they lost the first two, but won, you know, the next five. Um, they finally lost last night on a Sadiq Bay buzzer beater. But uh, Jordan Poole's filled in really nicely. I think Steph's about two games away from coming back. But uh, the Warriors are still winning all their home games and actually have gotten more competitive in some of the road games, which is a good sign for them. Um, you know, they were in, I think, the 12 seed a couple weeks ago. Now they're all the way up to the nine seed. Um, and I think they're going to keep fighting their way up, especially, uh, you know, another injury like Devin Booker in Phoenix. Um, well, he's been out. Phoenix has really just been plummeting down. Uh, Phoenix is now in the 8th seed, and wouldn't surprise me one bit if Golden State overtakes them. So they've actually been playing pretty well without Steph. Uh, Wiggins has been out a, a good bit too. Draymond's missed a few games. Um, so once the Warriors get healthy, I really do see them as a team who will start climbing up the, the rankings in the Western Conference and, uh, probably going to finish this season solidly in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you got to expect them to make a run at some point.
0: Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Warriors and, and as Steph returns, probably giving them some more life there and they'll, they'll go on a little bit of a run, but, uh, moving out back to the East, um this storyline, it's, it's, I got a smile on my face. It's, it's been uh, fun to watch. I, th- I was definitely proved wrong based on what I thought was going to happen at the beginning of the season. But, uh, you know, you come into the year in the East and really through the first few weeks and um, the Celtics and the Bucks, the man, they look like they're in a league of their own, but guess what? The Brooklyn Nets all of a sudden look like they may be in a league of their own. Um, you know, they've been on fire lately. Katie's looking like a potential MVP candidate. Kyrie's been hooping um, and this team's been gelling. Uh, you know I guess I guess they really did need to get Steve Nash out of that out of there. Uh, but uh, you know what do you think on the nets so far and their chances on the east?
1: Man, I think that the chances of the Nets coming out of the East just keep rising. Uh, and I'm at a point where you know I might say the Nets are the team I think could come out of the East and will come out of the East um which is a crazy turnaround from what i thought you know two months ago i was saying uh they need to get rid of nash he's not the guy they finally did it jock vaughn stepped in and i mean you know he's now in the coach of the year race um and then you know a month after the nash fire um i'm saying the nets need to blow it up they need to drop Kyrie, get rid of him, and maybe start looking at kd trades again um and now it's the furthest thing from that the you know, Joe Tsai and, and uh, Sean Marks just kind of really stuck to their guns and, and uh, rode it out, and it looks like that was the right decision because the Nets are in on all cylinders right now. Um, and Everything's looking good. I mean, their defense has actually improved. Claxton is playing really good defense. Uh, ben Simmons is seeming like he's working. And then KD and Kyrie are just an unstoppable offense. Um, so the Nets are on fire. They've won nine of the last ten games. And uh, you know they just finished a 11 game win streak, so uh, I really think the Nets have everything it's going to take to probably win some some playoff series. Crazy, crazy, uh, you know
0: GM and owner job right there. Really getting strong armed all summer into this year. Uh, tough to be in that position, but. Uh, those those guys, Sean Marks and Josiah, they clearly know the NBA, and it's it's a talent league, and they got two of the best. So, yep. uh, been been cool to see the Nets on their run. We'll see how it plays out, um, you know, throughout the rest of the year and into the playoffs. But uh, going back to the West, um, in the in recent years, you know, we've seen Giannis win the MVP, and then obviously back to back for Nikola Jokic, who's. Looking like another uh, potential MVP yeah. year for him. Going go with that 60-point triple-double the other night. So he looks amazing. We know Giannis is there. Embiid has got to win it one of these years. Um, you know, he seems like he's always so close but just can't get it done. Uh, but, man, I think I think we're both thinking about Luka is that guy. Is, you know, leading the, leading the league in scoring through the first half. And, um, you know, I, I
1: want to hear your case for Luka to win MVP this season. You think it's happening. Um, so, I will say, I am not ready to say it's happening at this point, but he's got a really strong case. It's crazy, but I think I'm still going with Jokic at this point in the season. Uh, Denver's in the one seed, and, I I mean, I don't want to get too deep into, like, advanced analytics or whatnot, but they all point in Jokic's favor right now. Right. Um. But what Luca has done lately to, to get the Mavs where they are—they're now the four seed in the Western Conference—and and just two weeks ago, I think they were sitting at the nine seed. Um, so they've been on a tear lately. Um, they're eight and two in their last ten games. Luca has been putting up crazy numbers. He's averaging forty-four points per game over the last five games, or maybe it's six games now. Um, and you know, he's clearly the reason why the Mavs are doing this. Um, there there's really not a whole lot of support that he's getting from that team. It really is kind of turning into a one man team and he's carrying that team on his back. So it's been pretty crazy to see what he's doing. And uh, I mean, the narratives there, especially if Dallas can, can finish top four in this Western conference, it's loaded right now, um, really competitive Western conference. I, I definitely think the narrative and the stats, the numbers, everything's going to be there for Luca at the end of the day to win that MVP award.
0: Yeah, he's really, he's really putting the team on his back. Reminds me a little bit of our boy Pat Mahomes. Um, just doing doing the most for his team to keep him, keep him in contention. Uh, before we move to the last question, and I may have asked you this on a previous pod, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious to hear your take because it's, it's a question that fascinates me. What do the Mavs do here? What do Cuban and the Mavs, I don't know who their GM is, but what do they do here to get, like, what's their move? Like, how do they get guys around Luka? Because it's been... You know, a couple seasons now where he is on the cusp. Like, the, the time definitely isn't now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not not now, I guess, is, is the way to say it. And so, you know, what do, what do they do, you know, this, this off season or, or, you know, as the deadline approaches to make things happen?
1: So, they're really in a spot where they don't have a lot of moves they can make. They don't have any cap room. And they have players on contracts that other teams don't want to trade for. I mean, no one wants to pay close to, to – Um, you know 30 mil for tim hardaway jr um they just signed christian wood in the mavs this season we're hoping that christian wood is going to be the guy that comes in and is luca's running mate that takes him deep in the playoffs and um you know the mavs were deep in the playoffs they're in the western conference finals last year but they just do not have a roster that's going to get there this year most likely unless luca you know really just does something special um but I, i Really think this team has been mismanaged. I don't think uh, you know not re-signing Jalen Brunson was a smart move, and it looks like they've kind of you know really hurt themselves for the future by uh, some of the contracts they've made, some of the signings they've made, some of the moves they didn't make. Uh, There's not a lot that they're going to be able to do to this roster, Um, so uh, we'll see. But I I think they're in a really tough spot moving forward. We'll see if, if if cubes
0: can make it happen. Funny story on cubes. I was watching Shark Tank the other day, and these guys are <laughs> making like NBA branded air fresheners, and the guy accidentally gives them, Cuban uh, a Warriors one, and they get around to Cuban, and he immediately immediately I'm out, I'm out. I can't believe you guys would disrespect me and give me the team that, uh the, give me the t- uh, the team <laughs> logo of the team that knocked us out of the Western Conference Finals. I was like dude, cubes. Uh, please relax a little bit. Yeah, Cuban, uh, we'll see if the Mavs can figure it out. Final question for you uh, as we go around the league here. We talked about a lot of contenders. There's also a prize for teams that are tanking, and it's it's a generational one in, in Victor Wimbanyama. Uh What I want to know from you, of the you know five or so teams that are contending for Wimbanyama, um, I want to know who, who. where do you want to see him next season and, and give me a, a reason why.
1: Oh, um, that's tough. You want me to, here, I can read off the teams for you that are likely in contention. I I mean, there are teams that I really like that are at the bottom of those lists, and I I think, uh, I mean, I like the Pistons, and I like the Rockets, Yeah, but... I think I'm gonna land on OKC. Yeah. I think seeing him in OKC would be awesome. I mean, Shea Gillis Alexander is it? Uh, you know, Chet too. In my eyes, is an all-star. I think they have Chet. They've got some other pieces. Jalen Williams. Both of them have been great. Um. So I, I'm liking OKC. I'd love to see him end up there. Yeah. Well, oh, we'll see what happens, man. It's gonna be
0: a crazy run down the stretch, but. Wimby could be going to OKC with a. What a circus freak lineup with him, Jeez. Chet, Giddy. I mean, Giddy's not. He's more normal size, but the way he plays, too. And Poku, all, all the J. Like you, you named him, man. That's a super size lineup. That'd be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, that'll wrap things up for, for the NBA segment. Covered a lot of ground there. Um, we'll be checking in down the stretch as things heat up. Uh, storylines continue to develop. But. D. Mitch, man,
1: Spider, he's him. (laughs) He is him, but uh, you know, let's switch gears now. Let's throw it over to uh, some college football. Um, Stuff's been exciting lately. We had two crazy games on New Year's uh, Eve for the college football playoffs. Um, And let's start with the TCU game. TCU Horn Frogs coming in. uh, I think they're you know maybe unranked to start the season. And now they're going to the college football uh, championship game after a 51-45 um, win over Michigan. Uh, pretty impressive win from TCU. Crazy man. Uh, they they looked
0: terrific. Your alma mater. Uh, yeah. People were were not uh, sold on them, but man, they've been fighting all year long. Close games. They just battle, and it, it pains me to say it, but Sonny Dykes uh, is is really a hell of a coach, and, and seeing what he's doing, he's got. Bama players, I saw three are transferring to TCU from wow. Bama, so he, he's out out Chess and saving at this point, um, and so he's definitely on top of the uh, college football world, we'll see if he can uh, take down uh, Goliath in terms of Georgia, but man, yeah. TCU's been impressive, that game was so impressive, I mean, the fact that Duggan wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year, like you mentioned, TCU not even ranked, uh, to go in and beat Michigan in a playoff. They've just been this. – they've just had a Cinderella season, truly. Um, and, and, you know, it has been no fluke, man. They were in that game from the beginning. They were, you know, as physical as Michigan. Uh, but, I mean, I think when, when, when you look back at that game, you look at the quarterback play, and while well, it wasn't Duggan's best game ever, I think, you know, he just made more plays than McCarthy did. And we, we, you know, we kind of knew that going in. He's the better player. Um, and then, you know, the pick sixes, man – tsu's defense coming up big flipping the game around like that uh you know those those are monumental and uh targeting call we'll see if that was real or not at the end of the game i you know who knows i don't think you can you can really uh let the refs dictate the game like that although it was probably targeting but uh crazy crazy ending go frogs baby
1: yeah definitely super crazy i mean um and sure that call may have been the wrong call it may have been targeting but you still have 25 seconds no timeouts and 50 yards to go in order to even tie the game up Mm -hmm. still would have been tough on michigan to score even if they would have made that call um and you know you mentioned tcu's defense two pick sixes that was huge um tcu also got two stops two turnovers um in while michigan was inside the five yard line about to score one uh, after the, the overturn touchdown that they, they called him down on the one yard line, which again, questionable, uh, you know, uh, call there. But, uh, you know, TCU made the plays that were in front of them and and that's what Michigan struggled to do in the game. So, uh, impressive win for TCU. Yeah, man, TCU, impressive school right now. Uh,
0: in, in the national championship in football and, you know, also competitive. I think they're 15th or 16th in, in, in college hoops, so – it may be them who should be joining the SEC, not not Texas or OU. Um, but final thing on this game, a couple questions for you. Uh, we'll start with the coaches. Who do you think is a better hang,
1: Sonny Dykes or, or Jim Harbaugh? Uh, I don't really have much interest in hanging with either of them. <laughs> um i'll pass okay (laughs) you're gonna pass well let's go to the quarterbacks uh
0: better hang max duggan or or jj mccarthy let's 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 take it this way max duggan and his family or jj mccarthy and his family
1: well i don't want to go anywhere near that dude's dad (laughs) um that was so weird (laughs) it was a little strange uh, the cameraman I, I, in his defense, though. The cameraman was all over that. Yeah, that, yeah that was t- a little too much. Uh, I'm going to avoid all of that, and I'll, I'll hang out with Duggan. Nice. yeah, Duggan,
0: you know, Ginge, he's probably a chill guy, right? Yeah. For sure, for sure. All right, well, moving <laughs> to the next game. Good questions. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Uh, TCU uh, headed to the natty. They're going to take on Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs are back again. Uh, trying to defend that title, uh, and they're back in epic fashion with a forty-two forty-one thrilling win uh, over Ohio State. The kick, literally, the field goal goes up <laughs> as it's hitting midnight on the East Coast. You can't make this shit up. Um, but man, that was—it's—it's it's been a while since I've seen a college football game that exciting uh, with the stakes that high. And uh, man, they, they delivered. C.J. Stroud, terrific game. Uh, yeah. You know, uphill kind of. Fighting an uphill battle, it, it seemed like with with Georgia's defense, but was was kind of shredding him throughout the game, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. It was not something I was expecting a, a forty-two to forty-one game. I actually I uh, I bet the Ohio State team total under, uh, which I believe um, yep that missed in the first half. So uh, <laughs> was was a tough betting gambling day for me. But what would you think of this game?
1: Oh, it was such an exciting game. I mean, Stroud was kind of shredding. I thought Str- uh, Stroud did a really good job of just extending some plays. He he showed really how mobile he is. Um, in the pocket uh, you know he's definitely a pocket passer and not a, a runner but he's so mobile in the pocket he was extending a lot of plays and uh, you know really hurting Georgia's defense but at the end of the day Stetson Bennett knows how to win games man and, and that second half is particularly in the fourth quarter um, Stetson really turned it on he definitely wasn't having a great game in the first half um, made some mistakes for sure but uh, came back in the fourth quarter and just did what he does, and that's win games, find a way to get it done, and uh, that's what Georgia did. And, um, I mean, you mentioned it, that field goal going up right as uh, the East Coast hit midnight on New Year's Eve, but we can uh, only hope that th- that kick was not a representation of how 2023 is going to go. Please, no. That was, <laughs> that was an ugly kick, man. And uh, But, hey, props to Ohio State. They they
0: played a lot better than I expected them Definitely. to. Um, deserved to be in that playoff, truly. It gave Georgia everything they could handle, but uh, Georgia is headed back to, to play TCU. And, man, hey, that uh, that defense looked a little bit more susceptible than I was expecting. Uh, you know, Duggan and, and the receivers, Johnston, uh, the receivers that TCU has are going to be able to get you know chunk gains on that defense, which I I hadn't seen um, previously. So we'll see what happens. I think George is still the heavy favorite coming in at at thirteen and a half uh, is the number that I saw, but um, who knows, man? TCU they fight all year. Uh, I got to think they're covering that line.
1: Yeah, I would think so too. I think they cover. I mean, thirteen and a half is just a wild line, especially you know TCU the way they can score. Um, it could even be garbage time late. They just hit a backdoor cover or something. But I actually think this is going to be a competitive game just because of the, the firepower of TCU's offense. Wouldn't surprise me if this is another fairly high-scoring game like the Georgia-Ohio State game or the Michigan-TCU game, for right. that matter, um, with you know all of those teams scoring 40-plus points and TCU actually putting up 51 against Michigan. Uh, I don't know if they'll be putting up 51 against this Georgia defense, but... Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if this is a higher scoring game and really kind of, you know, if it turns into that type of shootout, uh, I think it really favors TCU, Um, just the way that they can score. Georgia is a really solid all around team, um, but I'm not sure if they quite have the firepower to, you know, put up 50 on anybody, so um, it's gonna be a really fun game, but I think you know Georgia is the better team. I think Georgia should win this game, but I'm definitely not riding off TCU. I think they'll be right in it. Yep, agreed. So you think we're, we're leaning over and we're leaning we're leaning TCU to cover?
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at. Hey, point of stamped it. Go go go, <laughs> go go bet it or not. We'll see. It's been a rough bowl season, and, and to wrap bowl season up, do you have a favorite memory moment
1: from from this bowl season. Oh, man. Favorite memory from this bowl season? Uh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> probably probably the SMU game oh when they went God. for two and got stopped <laughs> and lost. You <laughs> I loved it. Oh, my God. Fucking <laughs> dick. Oh God! Um, what about you? Pretty rough bowl season for you, huh? Yeah,
0: it was. It was <laughs> not kind to me. There were some high moments. I'd say honorable mention. Uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They have a guy there for free. Like he he didn't have to pay for a <laughs> ticket, but he just has to eat a full huge tub of Duke's Mayo with the spatula. Oh. Uh, that I mean, <laughs> these bowl games are ridiculous, so I love that. That's got Will Moss written oh, all over it. That has him. Moss all like he, they gotta fly him out next time. <laughs> To on
1: that he, he the whole problem is though is that, that he probably
0: wouldn't keep many of his clothes on which would <laughs> be a safety concern for those around him but i'd say my number one uh my number one moment of this bowl season was uh in the uh the orange bowl when clemson decided to uh to fake the punt and they snapped it to <laughs> Dabo's kid and he got absolutely destroyed he's like my dad my dad and i were watching and he's like my dad's like wait who did you snap it to that guy's the smallest guy i've ever seen <laughs> of course dabbo's son i think it was the one touch he got all season they had to get it to him in the orange bowl. Oh. Um, but a huge negative play tennessee rolled uh, that was that was just a great game yeah that's a good call there i like that well that'll that'll conclude our uh our, our segment on college football. We'll see what happens uh, in the Natty. Uh, been a great year, most exciting playoff semifinal that I can remember. Yeah. Um, so we'll put a we'll put a bow on that and, and move to uh, to the NFL, um, where we're we're sitting at uh, you know what is it week coming into week eighteen, the yeah. final week of the year. Um, and you know we're not going to do a full playoff preview, uh, prediction, analysis. You know this week we're going to save that for next week. We still got one week left. Um, and, you know, instead, I think we're, we're going to do a, a little segment, um, you know, focus, draft focused. Um, but Zon, you're going to, you're going to ask me my thoughts on, uh, you know, recapping
1: this year's receiver draft and just how that goes. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I, mean, I think this is a good time to do it. Like you mentioned, full playoff preview has got to come next week. Let's wait till it's all set, see who's in. Cause there are, actually are still some races, a couple of teams right on the bubble that are, are, you know, could get in. Um, I'm hoping my Lions get it done this week. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of that, uh, they're a team who drafted a rookie wide receiver this year and, and several others. And we had some takes about these rookies coming into the NFL draft, and now we've seen, um, you know, 16 games out of all of these rookies, um, enough to kind of evaluate them and see, you know, if they were drafted in the right spot. So um, I, I'm going to ask you I've got a list here of um, seven or I think just six, actually, six NFL um, wide receivers that were drafted in the first round this season, I'm going to ask you to rank these rookies. Um, so I'm going to name them off in the order they were actually drafted. Um, and then after I name all six, you, you re-rank them for me. So um, we're going to start with the number one receiver in this draft, Drake London, going to Atlanta at the number eight overall pick. Uh, Garrett Wilson at 10. Chris Olave at 11, Jamison Williams, twelfth, Jahan Dotson, uh, 16th, and then Traylon Burks at 18. Um, so of those six receivers, let me hear you re-rank them. So, uh, for the, this is, I was looking forward to doing this.
0: It was, I thought it was a great receiver draft. Um, we got six first rounders and even some good guys in the second round. Um, and it's kind of played out how I was expecting. Uh, Hate to call my shot there. Hate to rewind history, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
1: called it all. Sick, man.
0: Um, the, the guys who I, I thought coming in were, were head and shoulders in their own category, and I think it's kind of bared out so far this season, is the two guys from Ohio State, Olave and, and uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, just been in their own category this season from both uh, an eye test and statistical perspective. Um, if I'm going, the guy I like the most... I'm going to probably go 1A. I got Chris Olave. Um, I just think he he's a technician as a route runner and, and has enough athletic ability as well and just a smart, savvy player. I just feel like this guy's no doubt going to have a long career. Um, and, and, and put up a ton of yards, a ton of a 1,000-plus yard seasons. And so um, he's my favorite. And then Wilson's number two. I mean, he's been probably the best so far this season. He's been terrific. Uh, and, you know, neither are exactly working with, with great QB situations or consistent for that matter. They've both been all over the place. And so the, the fact that those guys have been able to put up the numbers they have so far this season uh, has been impressive. OSU, man, they're looking like a wide receiver factory at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, j Mo Williams, another guy who we'll, we'll talk about, Terry McLaurin, uh, Michael Thomas, they, they got it all. And then maybe maybe the best of them all still in college in Marcus Harrison Jr.
1: Yeah, very well could be. I mean, I, I like that Alave at 1A, Wilson at 1B. And I think you're right, Wilson probably had the better season so far. Um, but I like the way Alave plays. And uh, you can only imagine if he had Jameis Winston healthy all year. Oh. Uh, he may have, you know. People are talking about uh, Justin Jefferson breaking the Randy Moss record. I bet a, a lot of it would be well on pace. <laughs> Heads down with J. Speaking <laughs> well, so you know, of another uh, J.W.
0: and my my number three on this list is is guy Jamo Williams, nicknamed him. I mean jameson Jamo. You know what it is, but uh, this may be a hot take. Um, but I think when it's all said and done, he might be the best on this list. I think I'm gonna wow. put him at three right now. Um, but I, I think he's got the most unique skill set as a true D threat receiver. Yeah. Um he's got elite traits in terms of his speed and ability to get downfield and uh, I like the situation he's coming into a lot. You know, we've got Amon Ra working things underneath, um, and, and that's going to open up a lot of space for, for J-Mo Williams over the top. And I just think, man, uh, even coming off the ACL, he's, I think he's ahead of schedule. He's already scored a couple TDs this year, had a couple big plays. And, um, you know, in terms of overall impact, being, you know, the best of a single thing, I think he's got the best chance of being the best deep threat in the league in a couple years once Tyreek's gone.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with any of that. And and I like you putting him, you know, kind of at three in this ranking, even though we didn't get to see you know, really more than half a season from him at most. Right. Um, I think he still showed a lot in, in the games that he's played, so uh like that one. So um you got Olave one, one B going to Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams at three. So now we've got three receivers left. Drake London, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks. So where are we at on the rest. With four man,
0: it's he's fallen far enough. I don't love him. I didn't love him coming into the draft, but you know, Drake London, uh I, I, I'm not I'm not out on him yet. Um, you know, given his Q B situation, Mariota I think has got to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Um, and Ritter's come in and not look great either. So he hasn't had a lot of help um but man I don't I don't like him nearly as much as as Wilson or Alave I just think you know those guys are are better overall players I think Jameson Williams got a great deep threat ability somehow on that he he does have a great trait in terms of you know being a, a red zone threat big bodied receiver being able to go get those jump balls um but that just doesn't really do it for me so he's he's flashed a little he's got elite size and speed ball winning but um, man, I just don't think he's on the level of some of those other guys in terms of deep threat of Jameson Williams or just being an overall terrific receiver and a lot Wilson are.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely feel you there. So you say you're not out on Drake London. Does that mean you are out on these last two receivers, John Dotson and Trey Oh, It's tough to say I'm out on them,
0: man. It's, I just, they probably a little bit overdrafted. Um, you know, it, it was these were definitely the guys that were think going to be at the bottom of the list. They were drafted, the last two spots, but a little bit of a reach for for both. I mean, you look at Traylon Burks, who I have at five. Um, they thought he was going to replace AJ Brown, which was was just foolish. Their GM got fired over it. John Robinson got fired, really because of that decision. I think AJ Brown, I think put a, had the three touchdown game against someone, and then he gets fired the next week. It's like man, that's that's tough because Traylon Burks. I mean, he's got he's hurt now, but he had a couple couple games where he was getting in the mix again. Similar to a lot of these guys, hasn't had a great. Uh, QB situation. Tannehill's been hurt. You know they just put up, brought in Josh Dobbs. Otherwise, we're looking working with Malik Willis. So hasn't had much uh, there. But I do think he he does a little bit more for me than than Jahan Dotson. I just think Jahan Dotson is the definition of mid. It's just like he just doesn't do anything super well. Like he's not going to be. An elite all-around receiver like the first two guys, I love William Wilson. He's not a D threat. He's not a red zone threat. I think Traylon Burks gives you a little bit of Debo Samuel light in terms of like this big-bodied bruiser who can get up to speed and, and make plays on jet sweeps. And, and I mean, you saw Traylon Burks. I think he had like a whatever it was, uh, you know, big big play touchdown earlier this season when he was healthy. And uh, I just think he, he does a little bit more for me from a unique. Kind of wide receiver skill set, where in the right offense, I think Traylon Burks can make it work. Whereas Jahan Dotson, like, he's not a first round receiver. Uh, you know, he's not not even close. Terry McLaurin, I think went in the second round, and he's without question a better receiver and will be a better receiver over his career than Jahan Dotson. You can mark my words on that one. Terry McLaurin's a great player. Yeah. Jahan Dotson, just mid for me. So I got rounding out. I got Burks at five. You know, we'll see if if uh, the right team can can use him correctly. And then I got the
1: Dotson. Or Dotson at six. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, if we had to throw in Chiefs receiver Sky Moore into this mix, does he trump any of those guys? Or do you think he, uh, he comes in last? No, man. I, I mean,
0: as much as I want to put Sky Moore over Dotson or Burks, man, he hasn't done enough. Nah, he's, right. he's really, I mean, I don't like how I've used him, putting him, uh, Dave Tobes should be fired. We don't need to get yeah, into this. Our but, but, teams have been yeah, horrible. putting putting him in as a rookie and and get I, I guess you're trying to get him touches, but quick way to ruin his confidence muffs a couple and just you know hasn't hasn't had the season you yeah. was hoping for. But I do think you know Sky Moore aside, some of those guys in the second round like Pickens or even Christian Watson for the Packers, I think could at this yeah. point be ahead of those those other those bottom two in Burks and Dodson
1: definitely well that's a a good place to cut it right there Uh, that'll wrap it up another episode of Point Pointed Drew Um, we've got a lot to look forward next week we're gonna be back on it we'll we'll uh, you know recap the college football championship game talk about who won and then uh, definitely need to do a look ahead to the nfl playoffs uh break down the matchups really kind of talk about uh who we think we have, has the best path to win the super bowl this year so uh, a lot coming that i'm excited to get into but good stuff martin Yes, sir. Uh, that'll wrap
0: for another episode in the stew. Uh, been fun. Been fun chopping up with you, Z. We'll be back next week. Uh, full NFL playoff preview. Uh, prayers up to Mar Hamlin. Spider Mitchell is the guy. Uh, on and on. But we, uh, we appreciate you all for listening, tuning in. Uh, the Druthers, you guys are, are the real ones, and, and we'll be back next week.
1: Absolutely. Talk to you all soon. Peace.